I bought it for was seven thirty. So I paid fifty thousand over asking. Now it might it sounds crazy, but I was the I was a backup to the backup offer. All right. Hello and welcome to Real Estate Investing Deal Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeremy. The Deal Deep Dive offers lessons learned from Canadian investors while scaling their portfolios. If you're looking to scale your investments, listen to stories from those who have already been there and what they did in your shoes. Just before we hop into today's show, we do have a quick word from our show sponsor. Have you wanted to learn about short-term rentals like Airbnb but can't find the right program? Well, now you can. Carlos Yanalunis, one of our previous podcast guests, is holding a weekend workshop February 24th and 25th at his new Lakeside Airbnb cabin. Carlos is going to be going over market research, how to determine rates, how to stand out in the new algorithm, as well as how to attract and vet the best guests. His partner Chris will be going over how to find off-market deals in an automated way and how to make great partnerships for money, credit, and management. Tickets are available on Eventbrite with general admission and overnight stays available. For ticket discounts, use promo code STRJH. That's promo code STRJH. I look forward to seeing you guys there. Santosh, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. So Santosh, for those who don't know, who are you? How'd you get started in real estate investing? Yeah, so I, I'm a real estate agent and an investor myself. I do invest in the Calgary real estate market. I got started in real estate investing, I want to say 2018 is when I got started. I was still a student at that time. I was I was an undergrad at the UC. I was doing my, my courses and I was like, I, I want to make some money. Like, I don't want to be a broke undergrad, you know, eating like cheap meals. And I, I lived with my parents, so I didn't have to pay rent, which was nice. But I want to, like... I wanted to do more, right? So I started Googling financial independence, like the fire movement and all that sort of stuff. And then I came across Matt McKeever's YouTube channel back then. And he was just starting to kind of gain an audience, gain a following. So I followed him and I watched Bigger Pockets. But Matt McKeever was really, I would say, my guru who kind of paved my way into real because his content was Canadian specific, right? Unlike Bigger Pockets. So in terms of mortgages, financing, and all that sort of stuff, I could relate to what, what he was saying and the guests that he brought on. So yeah, with, with that experience, I bought my first property in 2018. Obviously, I couldn't qualify because I was a student, but I had the cash saved up, right? Before I started my undergrad, I was conscripted in Singapore for two years. So I'm originally from Singapore, and they've got mandatory conscription there. So I did my conscription for two years. During that time, I saved up all of my allowances that I was given, so I had a chunk of money saved up, ready to go, ready to be deployed, but it was just sitting in my account. So I put all that money, had the cash, but didn't have the qualifying ability. So luckily, very thankfully, mom and dad, <laughs> it's like, mom, can you help me co-sign on this? And then she was like, sure, Sign, signed off on it. Got my first property in Bonas in Calgary. Okay, so for those who don't know, Bonas is in the Northwest quarter of Calgary. It's kind of on the West end of the city, right as you head out to Right, as if, if, you, if you're heading out to Banff, it's kind of like one of the last communities on the West End, right? So the first one I bought, just by fluke of luck, it was an illegally suited property with a like a main floor and an illegal suite. There were no legal suites or like, it wasn't a big thing back then, trying to legalize suites. 
So I was like, oh, hey, there's there's two units. You know, what could go wrong? Like more money, I guess. So I bought it. I rented it out to actually a Syrian refugee family who, who were new to Canada at that time. So this organization in Calgary reached out who was resettling these families in Canada and said, hey, you've got, you know, the government's Canada is guaranteeing their rent payments for, for a year and they're given an allowance. Would you like to take them on? They're, we're going to be our, con- we're going to be the contact point for all maintenance issues, translating and that sort of stuff. And I said, sure. Like, you know, it seems like a legitimate source. And five years later, they're still there. So, and then I have a basement tenant. Thankfully it's worked out because it's still the original tenants and I've been keeping up, raising the rents with market rents and they've still been there and they've been great. So that that was a pretty, I guess it was a good success story to start. And then after that, I didn't do anything for two years because I was out of money, right? No more cash. What do you do? It's a common problem that people have. So I started saving up again, scraping up every penny, lived like a broke person every single day. And then 20, end of 2020, I had enough. I could qualify, bought my second property, right? This time, another single family, uh, a 60s bungalow. And it needed a lot more work this time, right? Because it was it was really all I could afford. I had like a very tight down payment budget. It was like a 60s bungalow. It was a rundown. Again, it was a bonus because I knew the community and I saw a house. I knew the numbers in that community, right? So I knew what the house was probably worth and pulled the trigger on it. So now, now I have this really rundown bungalow and I put all my money into the down payment and I had barely any money for renovations, right? I had a little bit. But I definitely couldn't afford hiring a contractor. So what do you do? Do it yourself, <laughs> right? So I, I started doing the main floor first, renovated the main floor. I have no construction background. I have no experience in renovating anything. Before buying that house, I would have maybe picked up a drill a handful of times in my life. But I kind of got, yeah, ended up at the deep end, had to figure it all out because I was really, it was too late to back out. I already had the house. <laughs> so YouTube University, I learned a lot of things and yeah, took me like four months to finish our main floor, but whatever, it was, a, it was a learning experience and still cheaper than hiring a contractor, I think. So I, I got that rented out. I did plan to make it an Airbnb when I was renovating, but COVID was, was starting to become a starting to become a thing right? I was finishing the renovations in 2020. And so I just made it a long-term rental. And then I needed to develop the basement into the legal suite as well. But I wanted to wait a year to save up a little more and then made that into a legal suite in a year's time, like after a year. And then I went and did the burr. Basically, I did a burr on it, right? So I have a renovated main floor, renovated basement. Now I could go go to the bank, refinance, got 80% loan to value, pulled out basically all the all my renovation costs. If I had hired a contractor, basically got it all back. Right. It, it worked nicely because the market was going up at that time, right towards right when I was starting to refinance. So I had this chunk of money. Now that went into a fourplex. Okay. So this time, again, it's the same issue with qualifying, right? I always had struggles with qualifying, but I bought this fourplex that was already a legal fourplex. So the benefit of that was that they could use income from all four units to help me qualify, right? Plus the down payment. So I found that. That was really what helped me get into this property versus if I had bought a duplex with illegal suites, I probably wouldn't have qualified, right? But having that legal suite status helped, even though two of four units were not really renovated or not that nice, right? 
like getting in was was all that mattered, right? And I think that's a that's a tip for listeners. Like just just try to get in, figure it out after, right? It doesn't matter if you have a dated unit; you could always renovate it down the road, right? It doesn't have to look pretty on day one. So, I, I bought that fourplex, and I, I I at that point I decided, okay, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna hone in on this specific community in Calgary, Bonas. So it's also in Bonas that fourplex, and that when I was buying that fourplex, the market was really competitive, right? So to buy that fourplex, they were listed at 680 back then, okay? The price I bought it for was 730. So I paid 50,000 over asking. Okay? Now, it might it sounds crazy, but I was the I was the backup to the backup offer, right? So I waited 2 weeks and then the original buyer didn't go through and then they went with the backup and I waited another 2 weeks. I was like, I really want this property. And I, had, I had a backup offer. And they're like, hey, are you interested? And they're like, we have you and we have a couple of others. We're still interested. I was like, yes, I'm interested. I'll pay 50 over. I want it, right? <laughs> so walk that up. And then basically I've, I've, I've done minimal renovations to that property over time because it is like a, a huge expense. So I'm slowly turning over that building, raising rents, got some of the rougher tenants out and put in, put in better, improve the tenant profile of the building. And then last, towards the end of last year, so December 2021, we picked up a, me and my partner, we picked up a plex in Bonas. It's currently a du- like one, du- one like two semi-detached, I guess. The basement is also part of the main floor, but we just recently finished one half of it. So we suited one half of it. And so now essentially it's a triplex and next year we're probably going to make it into a full fourplex. Oh. And that's about it. And we're kind of growing our portfolio, kind of one property at a time. We're not going, we're not going too crazy with like, yeah, we don't have a crazy ambitious goal, but it's a, I think it's a healthy goal that we have. So it sounds good. I do want to unpack some of the things that you talked there. First of all, yeah, go for it. that current triplex that you're converting to a fourplex, why is that? And how does that change the property value? Yeah. Yeah. So why we're converting it? Because we want to make the property, we want to bring the property to its highest and best use, right? So for that particular property, it didn't make sense. The space was too big for the upstairs and downstairs, right? Even if I suited it, if I suited it, it makes way more sense. The property looks like it was almost originally built for it. So the moment we suite it, we raise the income, the property produces, right? Mm-hmm. And the moment we raise the income, the banks love it, right? Because it's a, it's a profitable it's a profitable investment and banks want to lend to you, right? It's also going to help boost your property value, right? Because a fourplex, I didn't, I didn't have this. There's also a three-car garage in the back that we did some work on and fully turned it into a three-car. So a four fourplex with a three-car garage would easily sell for 1.1 easily in Calgary's market. And we picked it up for 650 right? And our estimated rental cost for this whole conversion project is around two hundred to two hundred twenty thousand, right? Given that we haven't done the other side, but we're so I'm estimating. So by the time we're done all that, we're only going to be in for around eight fifty mark, right? And our ARV is going to be like closer to one point two, one point one to one point two. Um, so if you do the math, it works out beautifully, right? That's not too, too bad of a return at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're going to take back all your renovation costs, most likely. 
and, and probably might end up leaving some without payment. Still, smoke and deal in my books. <laughs> Absolutely, especially considering <clears throat> when you back up. You said you paid fifty thousand dollars more than than asking price. Is, is that was that correct? This was the, the previous four flats. So this one was a duplex when we picked it up. Oh right, right, right. Sorry, yeah. my so we, apologies. We paid, we paid. Yeah, no worries. So this for this particular property, we paid list price, which was exactly what they were asking. But but again, it was these properties are very competitive in Calgary. Uh, everyone wants to do this, right? So we had it under contract within three hours of it hitting the market, right? Like the property hit the market. I was like, hey, we got to go check this out. Like now, got in, offer, got it accepted right away, right? So we didn't waste any time there. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you were previously over in Singapore during conscript doing conscription there, and yeah. please correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Yeah, yeah. Do they pay like a, an annual salary, or how how is that different from here in Canada? It's a monthly like allowance. Okay. So is, is... yeah, it's not. It's it's pretty good. It's a it's a good wage, and and they give you free meals and everything. So if you you could basically save everything and accommodations provided too. So. Um, yeah <laughs> helps with that fire movement exactly it sounds good now the other thing that you mentioned earlier here is that you had a syrian refugee family living there yeah is, is a market niche like that allowing basically government subsidies to come in and and assist your your tenants who are living there is that something that you would recommend to newer investors i would say as a newer investor Definitely, it's a good strategy. Right? Even if it's an experienced investor, as long as you go through an agency contact, right, someone who's an employee of the organization, then then it's generally not a big deal. Because if if they don't pay rent or whatnot, then usually they go to the coordinator. They can explain their situation, and you can work something out, right? And and generally, I find that these new refugees or immigrants are generally more respectful of the property too, right? And they're pretty light. In terms of wear and tear, because like for example, the, I guess I don't have too many ex experiences, but with this particular family, they don't use a dishwasher, right? So I haven't had my dishwasher used in like five years. So they hand wash everything. That's already wear and tear. Like I'm pretty sure that dishwasher would have broken in like three years if they used it every day, right? Because <laughs> dishwashers break all the time. <laughs> don't get me started on dishwashers. Very true. Very true. Is there any? Any specific protocol you had to put in place or or system in order to make sure that you were screening them properly, or how did that? How did you go about placing them? Yeah, so so all all the screening was done through the coordinator. So basically, they told me like, hey, it's a it's a family of five, you know, like mom and dad and and the the kids, and this is their income. And he gave me the letters from uh, at that time it was like the government of Canada. I forgot what it was called. It's a program that they had, housing relief or something like that. And, and they each had a monthly allowance of, I think it was like 1500 at that time per person. So obviously then then I use my my own metrics, right? I, I'm like, okay, my rent was 1650 at that time for that main floor. Times three is generally my guideline. You have to make three times the income, rent times three. And, and they met the threshold, right? And then I tr tried to find a little bit more about about the tenants itself, like, hey, are they, you know, are they generally pretty loud people? Like, do they, how, how old are the kids? Are they pretty young? Because if they're a bunch of like three-year-olds running around on the main floor, basement tenants are not going to be happy, right? So I try to make sure the tenants are get fit that way too, but otherwise it's it's kind of the same thing as you do for any other tenant. It sounds fair. Now, the other yeah. thing you did mention is that you went to the UFC and, and studied your undergrad there. 
Do you mind if I ask yeah. what you took? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, nothing related to real estate. <laughs> it's uh, a Bachelor of Health Sciences. So it's a research research degree. And then after that, I went on to actually do a master's at UC as well. I did medical imaging, although I didn't complete it. So <laughs> fair enough. Real estate took over. I decided I wanted to be fully into real estate. And that's really where my true passion lies. So I was like, okay, it's, it's not worth it. <laughs> Sounds fair. I find myself at the same crossroads. I took business over at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, and now yeah. I'm over at UBC studying real estate. And I'm like, oh, but I want to just go invest. Yeah, makes so, sense. Sounds fair. So without further ado, I'd like to hop into our first segment here. We're a fair amount into the show here already. Yeah. What was the best deal you've ever done? What was the plan and what went right or wrong? The best deal, best deal I've ever done would be my fourplex, right? So, because there was, thinking back, there's like, it's it was a good move that I made, right? At that time, I paid 50000 over asking, and it was daunting, right? Like, like it's, it's hard to sleep over that. Like, did I overpay? Like, you know? But if you look at it today, you can't buy a fourplex in Calgary for 730. That's all legalized, right? At 7.30, you're buying a rundown fourplex. That's what you're getting today, right? So I've already made my money, right? And this was just in 2020. It was not that far, far, far ago, right? Just two years ago. So the, the point is that make sure you're offering what the property is really worth, right? So maybe they underpriced that property at the time. Maybe it was really, it was worth 7.30. Hence, there was so many, so much competition, right? Maybe I wasn't that well-versed in that fourplex segment at that time. So I didn't know what the true market value was. And, and also, when I offered that price, I had to make sure it cash flows, right? So all the units were under rented as well. So if you only look at the property with the current rents, you're like, oh, they, they want 680 and the rents are all like 900 bucks a unit. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you would have walked away on it. But what what you've got to do as an investor is to look past, past that and look at what you could bring the property up to, right? So... At this particular property, I could still add a garage in the back because there's no garage in the back, right? So if I add a, and I can add up to a four car because there's enough room there. Add a four car, that's easily a $600 boost, right? At least to my cash flow every month, right? So is paying paying that $50,000 over asking worth it? Absolutely, right? So yeah, just just that's all, that's all I'd say for that. Sounds fair. Out of curiosity, have you considered putting a garage suite in that? Garage suite, we, so on that particular zoning, which is RC2, it's quite a common zoning in Calgary. We can't actually put a garage suite if we have basement suites, which is annoying because I know Edmonton, like, it's, you could do it. So, so it's actually one of the reasons I'm kind of holding out, just not building garage, see if zoning and the changes down the road. And <laughs> I hope it does for you. There, uh... Yeah. Because now, please correct me if I'm wrong. Because it's currently a four unit on the property, and you're adding a fifth and sixth unit potentially, you're changing yeah. the way that the property is valued from the direct comparison approach to an income approach. Yeah, yeah. So you'd go into the commercial realm, right? With yeah. with the well, five plus units, you're already into the commercial, right? So technically, I could even qualify for CMHC that because now I'm in that MLI. I can get the MLI select program. Right? But that that's all up to whether zoning changes. So the city is pretty uptight about it. <laughs> so. Well, 
As you and I were actually talking a little bit yesterday, and I do hope that they do change some zoning as Calgary is supposed to be an absolutely booming market with the amount of immigrants that are or or interprovincial immigration that they're seeing. And I don't think they're keeping up with building. So yeah, we'll we'll save that the rest of that conversation for another time though. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. So looking back at your best deal, what would you do differently now? Looking back at my best deal, we've been at fourplex. What would I do differently? So what what I would do differently is try to try to increase rents more gradually, so you don't have a turnover too quickly. Especially when you put in all your money to buy it, right? And you probably you probably especially in my case, I didn't have too much money left in my bank account because I scraped up everything to put for this property, right? So yes, the goal is to get it up to all all the units up to market rent, but don't go too crazy with it too quickly, right? So you kind of want to raise rents gradually or maybe even not raise rents on some of the units so you can be strategic about where you're doing if you're doing rentals downstairs in the lower unit maybe don't raise the rent there so the tenant stays while you're doing your rentals right because if you raise your rents by like 300 bucks and you're doing renovations downstairs they're gonna be like okay well this is not worth it it's like there's like hammering going on all day and i'm paying 300 bucks more they're gonna leave and you can have two you're gonna have your vacant renovation unit that you're renovating and your vacant unit upstairs that's going to be harder to fill because people can see that you're renovating downstairs, right? So that was that was a mistake I made. So what I do is just gradually turn over the unit, especially if you have a longer mortgage, right? So on this particular property, I've got a three-year mortgage, so I'm not in a huge rush to go and refinance. I don't need to get it all done in a year's time, right? So that's what I gradually plan it out, right? And 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 match and match the level of renovations, right? So if all the other four classes only have like white appliances, just go with white appliances, right? You don't need to go over over, over the top with level of finishes. So. Is that something, as a realtor, are you seeing that lots of people do go over the top with, with finishings? Yeah, yeah, I see that all the time. Like people just go crazy with renovations and like smart video doorbells and stuff. Like tenants don't care about that, right? They just wanna, they just wanna clean functional place, that's it. Right. And, and a nice place. So, and look at your rent comparables, right? That's what I, I always say, like, okay, go to rent faster and see what other similar basement units in, in this community are, are looking like, right? If they all have white appliances, then, then you're probably fine putting white appliances for that price point, right? And if you think you can get an extra hundred dollars by putting in stainless steel, then see if you can find a comparable for that, right? And and it and it gets easier once you have more units because then you can test it out in one of the units. Especially for me, when they're all in the same community, it's much easier because I can do a, a test on one of the unit and see like, hey, if I add stainless steel to the basement suite, is it actually working? Can I get more? Obviously, it's a little bit more challenging. Yeah, properties scattered all over the city, but still doable. Sounds good, and I do like how you can almost make it like a scatter plot diagram in order to test data. Yeah. That's very yeah. interesting. <laughs> Might be talking to you about bonus here in the near future. Yeah, for sure. So what were some of the lessons that you learned from this deal? Some of the lessons I learned from this deal, I guess it wasn't really the deal per se, but I just had one problem tenant, I guess, when I took over. They've since gone, but just just learning to be more, running the business more like a business and not getting... I guess I was too friendly with them and I decided to take advantage and, and whatnot. So I just try to run the business more like the business. Basically, they would text you for every little thing, right? It's like, hey, so this 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 one thing, like actually 
really annoyed me. It's like, hey, the, the, the electrical cover plates are loose. Can we get them fixed? I'm like, okay, it's a it's a flathead screwdriver. You just take it, put it on, and turn it. It's tight, right? And they messaged me for like two weeks ago. It was like, hey, we we have a we have a child at home, and like we feel unsafe because the plugs are loose, like. So and it's that's just one occasion, right? It's like all these like silly petty things they complain about. But so so I, I eventually got them out. I, I didn't renew the lease. Luckily it was a fixed lease, but I had to stick it out. Didn't renew it. But I would just for next time moving forward, I think I was just gonna be more systematic and get them to put all maintenance requests via email. And that's actually what I did after after these guys moved out. All maintenance requests have to be via email. Because I find that if, if they text you, it's way too easy to text you, just snap a photo and text. But if they email you, they have to add a subject. They have to actually type like hello or you know a hi or, or an ending. And it's an extra barrier to sending it to you. So it's not it's not as easy. It's still pretty easy, but it's not that easy, right? So I find that it actually reduces my, my maintenance calls, unless it's a legitimate maintenance issue, right? But for like petty things like that, like they, they don't really bother. Yeah, it takes out some of the fluff. And for me, anyways, I, I have the same system you do there. I'm allowed to actually, because obviously you can search up in your emails, it helps me organize yeah. it on the back end as well. So yeah, exactly. And I tell tenants now, like, hey, if you send me like your, your plumbing issue by email, I can forward it right to the plumbing company, right? I can't forward my text message to like the, the admin office, right? <laughs> no, they're going to look at your phone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So we'll switch gears here a little bit. Yeah. What, what was the worst deal you've ever done? What was the plan and what went right or wrong? Worst deal. What, what, I said it's not, not necessarily a worst deal, but it's just we went over budget on this duplex that we're converting. So, but the budget I gave you earlier, 220, that's including for our overspend on this side. So right now we're at about 140. And our projected budget was 120, right? And we have about two weeks left to finish it. So we're expecting about, yeah, high 140s. So we're about 20 grand over, right? And we didn't expect to go over that budget. And someone's got to come up with that money, right? And it's it's tight when you're, you're 20 grand over. But it's it's a learning lesson because I didn't I didn't expect material to fluctuate so much, right? I had a good grasp on the price of materials when I started the project, but this was, I want to say June or May of this year, uh, when, we, when we were like doing some work in the garage, the price of two by fours fluctuated so much. Like I bought two by fours for like $9 a stick and like a week later they were like $7. I was like, <laughs> and I bought like a whole pallet. Uh, so yeah, so just, having that buffer built in. I think I just didn't build enough of a buffer. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I can see why it can be hard for a lot of investors also figure that out, right? Because like I, I can figure it out either. So so I, I guess not a worse deal really, but 20 grand over, it's not the end of the day, but end of the day. it's not a big deal, but it's a learning lesson and that's something I'll build a bigger buffer next time, right? Sounds like a good plan. So how because, did you? Because uh, I do use the same materials on all the renovations, but still stuff like building materials, right, like two by fours and insulation and stuff like that, those were really fluctuating. 
and the price of steel, right? We need like steel framing and the channels and all that fluctuated a lot as well. It sounds fair. So looking back at it, what could be done differently? Just build a bigger buffer. So have a have a bigger buffer for, for when you're doing renovations, right? Especially in, in today's environment where there's a lot of still, we still have ongoing supply chain issues. And if you're planning to buy like major appliances, make sure you, you, you order them months ahead, right? Because sometimes they're, they're really backed up. I find that the cheaper like rental grade appliances are really in demand versus you, you can get a box dishwasher tomorrow for like a thousand bucks but you yep. can't get a 500 dollars frigidaire right so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah plan ahead basically <laughs> it sounds fair <laughs> yeah. now when you're looking at it is it was it mostly the cost of i'm going to say supplies that made you go over budget or was it labor or both or it wasn't really labor because I, I had i had i was using the contractors and i had to fix fix estimates from them for the job okay. uh, it was the materials because i supplied materials they provided labor right mm. and i found that the materials gradually kept going up in price right especially at the time i ordered like you know everything was expensive right and then of course i needed like 50 of everything right <laughs> so so then then, then it, it adds up but it's very fun. quickly <laughs> yes sounds fair okay hurts today but we'll recoup it on their refi so <laughs> very nice especially if you get that mli select yeah exactly <laughs> probably won't work on this one no well not until at least they change zoning rules here so that sounds fair so if it's okay with you i'd like to jump into our new segment that we're doing yeah what are, what are three things that people don't know about you three things that people often don't know i'm born in singapore i was there for the first 18 years of my life i guess i said it earlier i, I did two years in the military in singapore and i have a german shepherd for those who don't know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I'm, I'm a huge dog lover, so this sounds fair. How old? Six years old. Six. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's very cool. And uh, I would not have pegged you as a military man, by the way. I I, I do apologize. <laughs> I can definitely see you going to university and and getting your master's, but uh, I personally would not have pegged you as a military man. So that is very interesting yeah, to I, know. I used to work out a lot more. So okay. the stature would have looked a little different, but yeah. I'm going to use that excuse too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Completely opposite side of the spectrum though. That sounds fair. So what advice would you give to investors in your area who are looking to scale their business? Yeah. So the advice I would give investors is the Calgary market is quite competitive still. And so the biggest piece of advice I'll give is have your financing ready to go right? Make sure you can make, make strong offers with the least, least amount of conditions, right? Especially if you're looking at a competitive segment, like a duplex to fourplex conversion or those types of properties, right? So yeah. And also don't sit on the sidelines waiting for a crash because it's, I don't think it's, it's happening anytime soon. We're already at pretty high interest rates and still no crash. So <laughs> what are you talking about? The market is falling. The market is falling or the sky is falling. I should say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and and we do have clients that, you know, sit on the sidelines and wait and like, what do we do? We, we like, I can't force you to buy real estate. Sit and wait <laughs> is all I can say, right? But yeah, the advice, it's, it's one of my favorite quotes. Don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait, right? There's always an opportunity in an up market or in a down market, right? So it's, it's, it's a matter of finding that opportunity and taking action. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I love that advice. Yeah. Sounds good. So just before we wrap up here, where can yeah. people find out more about you? Yeah. So uh, those interested can follow me on Instagram at yyc.re.investor, or you can just Google my name, Santosh Nathan Realtor, and my Google business profile will show up. And then my phone number is there, email's there. Or you can visit our website, www.calgaryreihub.com, calgaryrealestateinvestorhub.com, and we'll have our contact info there as well. Sounds good. And if I remember correctly, I believe you guys have a meetup once a month. Yeah, we do. We Our next meetup is coming on the 17th of December, this Saturday. So yeah, we, we do host a monthly real estate investor meetup. And yeah, we, we love networking with investors, just chatting with everyone. It sounds fair. I think by the time we're releasing this one, you, you'll be at the January one, but I, I'm sure somebody can message yeah. you and find out more about that meetup. Yeah, so it's usually on the third Saturday of every month. So yeah, we keep it pretty fixed. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, Santosh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Well, guys, that is our episode with Santosh Nathan. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I hope you guys got to learn something from it here too. If you guys did learn from Santosh, we do ask you hit like and just share the episode. That way we can help more people invest safely and confidently in Canadian real estate. Hope you guys are finding some good deals and up until the next episode, happy house hunting.